Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I am your host, Annie F. Downs, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit from Ellie Holcomb, her new album, Red Sea Road. Actually, I listened to it this morning while I got ready. It is absolutely one of my very favorites. I hope you've gotten a chance to hear it. Every week on the podcast, it is a friend that I care about deeply and so want you to meet, and I love every single week. This week is a little bit different, though. I'll have to be honest. This week, both Chad, our producer, and I have been just a little bit beyond excited that Stephen Curtis Chapman agreed to be on the podcast. You have probably heard his name if you grew up listening to Christian music. He has sold 11 million albums, has 48 number one songs, 58 Dove Awards, five Grammys, and his new book, Between Heaven and the Real World, is just amazing. It kind of tells the story of his songs and how he got here and his life, and and it's really, really good. So personally for me, Stephen Curtis Chapman, as you will hear me tell him through tears during our conversation, is a voice that has been a part of my entire faith life. And as long as I can remember, his songs have encouraged me and helped me and been an important part of my journey. So to get to sit down and talk to him, though we've met before at my friend Hillary's wedding and a couple of times, this is the first time I really got to sit down and kind of tell him what he has meant to me and ask some really fun questions about his life and Nashville and the Ryman. And I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation He got very honest and we talked about kind of some of the hardest parts of his life and some of the best parts. And it just feels like a real honor to get to share this conversation with you. So here I am unbelievably lucky to get to chat with Stephen Curtis Chapman. Stephen Curtis Chapman, thank you for being on the podcast. You're welcome. This is really, really fun. You're very welcome. How long have you been in Nashville? Because I'm only on my ninth year, so I'm kind of a yeah. freshman compared to some of y'all. Yeah. Well, um, my first tenure, is that, was that right? Does that work? Yeah, I guess sure. close enough, in, in Nashville was my uh, the summer I graduated from high school, 19 Ready for this? 81. Okay. Graduated from I was high alive. School. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, were you? Barely. Uh-huh. 80. Yeah, barely. Okay, barely. I came to Nashville. I'd grown up. I grew up in Paducah, Kentucky, two and a half hours away, drive uh, drive time. So uh, I would come to Nashville occasionally as a kid and come to Opryland, oh, yeah. USA, back when we had the amusement park here. Which would you I remember really that, that at I miss, all? No, you know, I missed see, it. you wouldn't remember it because it kind of closed down. My well, but my kids grew up. Going yeah, to you it. weren't here. Yeah, but so I wasn't we here yet. we we grew up. Uh, they they grew up going to to Opryland a little bit. It went away when they were still young, but mm-hmm. but they do have memories of it, which is kind of sweet because yeah. I I got my first professional gig out of high school uh, music job singing in one of the parks at Opryland. It was an amusement park for those that don't know, and it was a. Uh, Really known for its live music shows. That's yeah. kind of what it's saying. It had a few, uh, you know, roller coasters and and rides and and all that kind of thing. But it was mostly known for its really great being in Music City, being you know the the Grand Ole Opry was you know on property, yeah. and a lot of the even musicians in the in the shows would go play at the Opry and then come work in the park. You know, so I mean it was it was world class. Where musicians. was it? Was it across the? Was it across the highway? 
It's where we call it Shopperyland now. Oh, it yeah. used to be Opryland. It's it was right there. Oh, okay. Basically so the right mall. by the hotel. Yeah, is, is, yeah that's oh, where it was. Okay. So it was right by the hotel. The the Grand Ole Opry house uh-huh. was kind of right in the middle of Opryland. So yeah. if you kind of imagine so basically where the you know, where all that property oh, around wow, where the Opry the is, yeah. is is where yeah. So that was nineteen eighty one. I came, I spent a summer. Um, well, summer and a fall, basically, mm-hmm. you know, in 81, 82, uh, working. And so I had an apartment here and kind of lived here off and on. Started writing songs, got my first publishing deal uh, here and lived here in like the summer of 82, into the fall of 82, writing. And then I went back to school in Indiana and that's where I met Mary Beth. And so it was 1984 that we got married and moved to Nashville for for good. I've been yeah. here ever since. Before that, I was kind of back and forth college and and whatnot. But then, so, so since '84, so was that 30, uh, three, three years yeah. almost? Yeah. What's the best thing that's changed over all that time? What do you like the most about what Nashville's become? Because it's got to be so different. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Most and and most of it is like <laughs> I miss. Our little, really? our little wannabe big mm-hmm. city Nashville. Mm-hmm. That's what I used to call Nashville yeah. was a big city wannabe. It, mm-hmm. it like, you know, it was it kind of was like, oh yeah, we're look, we we're we have a you know, we've got some skyscrapers, you know, we've got some big tall buildings, and <laughs> right. you know, but it still felt like you know, kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, we're still just you know, down home folks, but. Um, you know, getting, of course, the Titans and the Predators and, you know, go Preds, by the way. That's right. Um, you know, all of that uh, and and just the growth that's been crazy um, has been, you know, I can talk about all the things that aren't great about sure. that. Traffic, Traffic being, yeah, number one. <laughs> but, you know, it's obviously, um, you know, having the, you know, restaurants that have come in. I mean, sure. it's, it's become like a really very, you know, legit um, city people visiting. In fact, every time I open a magazine, there's, you know, one of the, you know, the hottest places to visit in the world. You right. know, Nashville's showing up on the list with, you know, places in Italy and places, you know, like yeah. like around the world. And um, I, so I think just, yeah, the culture that's grown so much here, um, obviously the music, you know, that's, that's grown. I mean, when we came here, when I came to Nashville, um, Sparrow Records was in, you know, Chatsworth, California. Oh, wow. Um, you know, uh, Word Records was, I think, still in Texas for the most part. I mean, it wasn't even the really the hub of Christian music at that point. Wow. Um, it was really known as country music yeah, and central. That was it. Yeah. But so, you know, when back in, you know, what was around the beginning of my career, you know, I guess early, late 80s, early 90s when mm-hmm. Sparrow and then EMI, all that, you know, came here and everything. So, um, I think, you know, obviously it's fun having the the sports teams and just what that kind of has created in terms of this kind of, you know, Nashville pride and, and, you know, everybody coming together around those things. Um, So it's, you know, we love it. And and again, it's it's a fun place. We don't living in Franklin, which is where we are outside. You know, there's that's grown and exploded as well. Right. We've watched that change from just a tiny little Mayberry, cool Mayberry (laughs) Square to now being this, you know, super cool little town as well. So, you know, we we love being there. We love, you know, having raised our kids there. And that's grown so much now that we've actually rarely 
come in to Nashville, into the big city. Right. Um, except, you know. Now y'all have a Whole Foods. Yeah. That's right. You don't got to come up here. I know. Yeah. We got our Starbucks and our right. Whole Foods. We're like, done. That's right. We don't have to go That's to Nashville right. anymore. That's right. I think a really interesting thing I like thinking about is culture and how we as faith people get to contribute to greater culture. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people are calling Nashville the third coast, right? Like LA's exporting, we're exporting, and New York is exporting, and Mm. we're just kind of catching up. What does that say to you about, talk about Nashville exporting art. I just think it's really Mm. interesting that this is the hub of Christian music, yeah. and the and a lot of Christian writers are moving here yeah. like crazy too. Yeah. yeah, and country stuff, and we're just getting to export like mm. crazy. It feels like. Yeah, you know, I think there is something, and I, it's probably even interesting with my son's band and and just my relationship with Caleb and Will, my sons yes. who have their band Colony House. That is so and, good. And You're rocking you the hat right much. now. That yeah, band I know. Is so yeah, excellent. They are, uh, of course, you you knew I was going to have to weave them in, you know, to this interview because uh, I'm constantly looking for those opportunities for shameless dad plugs. You oh, know, I had a shamelessly boys. friend yeah. plugged them yeah. as, as okay. a listener because yes, I love them. Good. Um, well, thank you. And uh, but you know, watching it's been it's I think interesting when you ask that question. That's sort of where my mind goes because mm-hmm. I've grown up really here, even mm-hmm. though you know I say gr- grown up, but you know from you know, my marriage and, and raising my kids and, and all of that here and watching it change so much. But watching kind of more recently for my, my sons who are making music in mainstream world and probably spending even a lot more time with, you know, guys from out of L.A. and out of New York, out of the other coasts mm-hmm. and where the other exporters of, of their music and lifestyle and life and all of that and this is, you know, I, I say carefully because I don't intend it to be any kind of a slam against, you know, either of those other places. But I think there is something about the art that comes from here, probably in many ways having its roots in country music, which yeah. is known as just you know, honest music. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about the, it's about the lyrics. It's about the, you know, the message, you know, and whether it's, if it's heartache, it's real. It's just, it's real music, you know? And obviously LA, if you were just a kind of stereotype, man, it's, it's all the great pop music's come out of there. And again, not that it's not a lot of good, real, authentic, but there's, right. you know, slick and it's, and it's right. produced and it's, you know, that thing. And it's the, you know, it's, it's more of that kind of package and you got more of what you would think of in New York of the gritty and the edge and the, you know, just all of that. But there's kind of this, you know, when I think of Nashville and what we create, I, I think there's a sense of, there's there's honesty there's it's it's real it's approachable it's accessible it's kind of where we all live you know so i think that you know that's even just watching my my boys and and the music even that they're creating and what they love about nashville and and what people i think you know even just kind of watching them go and do the you know the television you know right, the television show shows and, and all yeah. that stuff you know there's kind of this hey there's this band from Franklin Tennessee mm-hmm. and there's something auto- automatically that comes with that that you know and i mean you've got Kings of Leon you got a lot of you know other rock bands and guys from from here there's just i think people uh you know and certainly because christian music 
so much has come from here. It didn't really start here, but I think there's just that sense that, man, these are people just telling their story, right. being really honest, um, at least trying to be. Yeah. And, um, and as a result of that, and, and real accessible, and as a result, really having a significant impact, you know, in, in, in the world, I think, yeah. with what we're exporting, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I yeah. think it's fascinating to think about how we get to contribute like that. I think no one would have guessed, my guess is, no one would guess 20 years ago that Nashville would be producing the amount it's producing now. Yeah. Or that the amount of art you look out and go, oh, yeah, that's from Nashville, and that's from Nashville, and that right. recipe's from Nashville, and that book's from Nashville, and yeah. I just think it's interesting. Okay, let's talk about yeah. an impact. Let's talk about your music. Mm. Literally, I got saved in 1984, and so about as long as I've been a believer, you have been a part of that with me. Wow. Which makes me feel that's, teary. That's amazing. But I remember so clearly listening to Heaven in the Real World when I was in middle school, and there's a song called The Mountain. Yes. And yeah. my parent, we had a lake house in the mountains. And I remember listening to it in my room on the mm. tape player. And I ran downstairs. It was like I had found a song that everyone had to hear. And I was like nine or 10. That is amazing. And I played it on my tab. I remember taking it into my baby sister's nursery where my mom was changing. I mean, I can still see it. That's I said, you've got to hear this. <laughs> mom, have you heard this song? This oh, song's like about that's... the lake house. Oh, this is wow. about who I want to be. That's I mean, I just amazing. remember... I remember that super clearly, and it's like your albums have done that for so many of us, mm. been just this, like, mm. consistent part of our faith. Sorry. Mm. I promised no. people on Twitter I wouldn't cry more, no. <laughs> and I did. Sorry, Stephen. No, um, please don't apologize so, for that. That means a lot. What is... Um, mm. What is that? Is that weird for you when people have this, such a long relationship with you? It's not... I wouldn't say weird i would say um uh it's obviously incredibly humbling um it's something i think i probably at this point in my life i'm just i'm really trying to be good at receiving that because mm -hmm. there's something really you know profoundly encouraging in that there's so much of our creative life in in creative business mm -hmm. world mm -hmm. when you create art that is you know part of commerce and there's a industry built around it and you know all of that is always about um hey that was great now now what's what 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 are you working on now what's the next right, thing right. how are we going to reinvent this how are we going to how are we going to take it to the next level mm -hmm. i mean the list goes on and on of all mm -hmm. those you know the the little phrases that basically are pushing you to what's next what's next and you know having spent and i'll i'll get emotional myself thinking about this but you know having spent 30 years for from the release of my first album really thinking wrestling battling, you know, with that. And I use those wrestling and battling words because, um, you know, that's the part of it that's kind of the, the job part, you know, that, right. man, you pour your heart and soul into this, but then there is that expectation. And then if it's, even if it's successful, then there's even more expectation. Right. What's the next thing going to be? Because <laughs> right. that's got to be at least as Once good, you win as a Grammy, you should win as, a Grammy again. Yeah, yeah. right. And, and, um, and so, I don't know. I'm 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 rambling on a bit about that, but it, I think I'm at this place 
and probably having written the book and having been at this 30-year mark from the release of my first album um, and sort of being in this, this you know, season right now that doesn't feel at all like it's a, it's a, there's any finish line at this point. It's more of just a, a moment to kind of go, okay, help me receive and engage and, and really be able to, uh, to engage with that reality mm-hmm. that your music, you know, the music that God's entrusted to me has been a part of a lot of people's faith journey and be encouraged by that and, and be, you know, it's, it's all, you know, again, all the things that we know as, as, you know, Christians, as faith people, you know, that it's all the glory belongs to God, you know, all of the creative, anything we create, God's the creator. We're co-creators. He's invited us into that. It's like mm-hmm. all of those things, all those immediate kind of, you know, d- diffusers or, you know, kind of like, oh, you know, let me, let me, you know, let me push that off. A few years ago, I felt really convicted about, it was actually at awards, one of the awards ceremonies. And I actually write, write about this in my book because I really was wrestling with this whole thing of, you know, people giving us awards for especially in Christian music and this thing where here we are singing you know these songs inspired by a man who made of himself no reputation as scripture would say and yet we are built you know these careers and these brands and all of this you know are built on reputations and and you know all of that that goes with it and this was just a you know I was really wrestling with the paradox of all of that and you know, here we are going to get awards, and mm-hmm. I like awards. Yeah. I mean, I liked them when I was in elementary school, and they right. said, hey, you, you know, we're going to vote on, you know, who the, you know, Mr. Concord is, you know, right. Concord Elementary School, and the students voted, and, and it felt really good to to be Mr. Concord, you right. know? And so I was like, it feels good, but then it shouldn't feel good, should it? Or does it feel too good, mm-hmm. you know, because that's pride, and where's the ego come in, <laughs> and then when do I, when am I, where am I doing this? Because, you know, the applause is, is good. Um, and so just wrestling through that, and there was a point where I really felt like um, God kind of helped me see this sort of image of, you know, people, and even your words and others who would say, man, your music is a big part of my faith journey, mm-hmm. a big part of my life. Um, it's like people coming with a with a bouquet of flowers, you know, and I think about this, I think probably because in China, when I've, when I've done concerts there, when mm-hmm. I sing, it's a thing unique to China, maybe to other places in Asia, but I know when I've sung in China, almost every time there's someone in the wings, usually a young person with a huge, massive flower bouquet, oh, wow. and they walk out and present that to you almost every time after you finish singing. I've had it happen several times there, and it's just kind of part of the the deal. Like you yeah. just performed, here's your here's your big bouquet, you know. And it, and I kind of have that image of this is a gift. These 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 flowers, for example, are something that th- these people are saying to me. You know, thank you, uh, your music, what you did, impacted my life. Mm-hmm. And then if I were to, you know, that young person walks up with this bouquet of flowers and I go, well, you know what? I can't really take that because that's not for me. That's, that's actually for God. Mm-hmm. That's, that's for that person over there. Mm-hmm. And, and yet they can't take this to that person. I'm the one, it's like the handoff. Right, right. I, I got to take that, you know, right. and then I got to take it and say, okay, God. And, and I think sometimes we, 
That's so good. Had this tendency so to want to go, yeah. no, no, it's all the glory to God. And, all, and that sounds very spiritual, and it is true. But I think sometimes, you know, we, and I'll include myself, that's that's sort of, that's the proper Christian response. But God really convicted me. It's like, look, that that is part of the process is that I want you to take that. When you say that and, you know, tell me that the music, you know, has, has meant a, a lot to you and been a part of your journey, and that song, The Mountain, and all of a sudden I start thinking about where that song came from and why I wrote that song and, you know, and, and what inspired me. It's like, okay, take that and, you know, grab that bouquet yeah. of flowers and smell it and look at the beauty of it and feel the gratitude and feel that, you know, that be a part of that. Mm-hmm. God delights in that. Mm-hmm. And then because, you know, it's not like you're going to hold on to those, you know, now where the mistake would be is to go, mine, 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 mine <laughs> right. my flowers, my flowers, you know, this right. is all mine. Yes, you're right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, world, for my great contribution, you know, for loving me. Right. But then, you know, God knows our hearts. Uh, I'm going to take that and say, God, you know, thank you for letting me be a part of you reaching in a life of Annie Downs mm-hmm. through a song. Mm-hmm. and But you let me be a part of that. You let me be a conduit. That's an incredible privilege. That's mm-hmm. an incredible gift. And that's a humbling thing, but it's but it's an amazing thing. And I want to delight in that. And God wants us to delight in that. And so I'm, I'm you know, trying still to learn that. Yeah. So that was a very, very long way no, to say good. thank you for, for <laughs> Can I you received that. Can you real quick that. tell me why you did write the mountain? I would love yeah. to know that. Yeah, it was... Uh, It was inspired by Oswald Chambers. Um, I won't remember the specific devotion now, but but one of his uh, devotions, I've loved my utmost for his highest Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. read that for many years. And he was talking about the temptation that we have and when God takes us up to the mountain, just like he did his disciples, Jesus did, you know, with... Uh, Peter and I don't remember who else was up there with him, John, I think. And and he shows them this amazing, they, they see, you know, a moment, a heavenly moment. They see, you know, Jesus talking with saints of old and they get mm-hmm. this incredible mm-hmm. vision. And it's, it's literally, you know, an out of this world experience and a mountaintop experience. And what's really fascinating and I'd never seen before in this whole thing, as Oswald Chambers is talking about it, is that, you know, the very next place they go, and the point that he makes in this in this devotional, uh, or in this devotion, is the next place they go is to encounter the demon possessed man in the valley. Oh, wow. So literally, they're up on top of the mountain, saying, and, and of course Peter is the one who says, "Hey, <laughs> this is he good. Let's stay here. <laughs> yeah. I got an idea. Let's set up three tents, yeah. and you can hang out in one." And Elijah, he's my you know, dude. It doesn't surprise yeah. me at all that he's the one. Yeah, he's the one yeah. that's like. This is awesome. Yeah. Let's stay right here and let's not go from, you know, anywhere from this because this is an epic moment. Mm -hmm. And so that for me, I live, you know, so much of my life like we all do. It's like this is really good right now. We're in a good place. Let's stay right here. I do not want to leave this place. I don't want to come down from this mountain. And yet, interestingly enough, you know, they go straight from that to encounter the demon-possessed man and all of a sudden the harsh realities of, wait a minute, this is a very broken world yeah. and this is ugly. And it's like, I want to go back to the mountain. Right. But the reason God takes us to the mountain is he just showed you his power. He just showed you the reality that this world is not all there is. I'm needing this right now. Can you tell? But we get that. We we see on the mountain the the real view. We see this is really what's going on. 
this is actually the real world. This mm-hmm. is heaven in the real world. The real, the real, real world is what's going on beyond what we can see, where we're having to believe by faith. And God gives us moments where we get to see it. And for you, it was your mountain, you know, home, yeah. your lake house. And you got these great moments and you go, can we just live here forever? Yeah. It's Hawaii. Can I just stay here forever? Right. I got to go back to, you know, to, to life. And yet we got to take those moments mm-hmm. back. And that's why God takes us to the mountain. That's what I was figuring out and trying yeah. to put in that song is that God brings us there. We don't get to camp out there. It's like C.S. Lewis who says, you know, that we're, God's going to give us some pleasant little ends along the way on this journey, but we're not to mistake those for home, mm. you know, that that we're, you know, we're not, you know, but he's going to give us those places and we're going to want to camp out there and say, yeah. this is it. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be way better. You know, those are little, those are little reminders, you mm-hmm. know, of what's, of what's to come. Yeah. Um, but we got to stay on the journey. And when the journey takes us back into the, you know, as Oswald Chambers say, the demon possessed valley of the right. world that we live right. in, that we take the truth that we saw up on the mountain back into those places mm-hmm. with us. Otherwise we despair and we lose hope and we go, this is all there is. Yeah. It's all, you know, just a, a mess. And that's like, no, wait a minute. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Yeah. So. Isn't that interesting to even think about that Oswald Chambers, I mean, it's just the power of creating art, right? Mm, that Oswald yeah. Chambers wrote something that moved you, that moved me, hmm. and now I get to do it too, right? Yeah, like, yeah. we just get to be a part of this flow that I didn't even sign yeah. up for, yeah. but I just was doing it. But, but yeah, I mean, The Mountain, If when I think mm. back on my entire life, that's probably one of the top, like, two or three songs wow. that has stuck with me. Yeah, it just, it, I the, the feeling I remember when I was little is feeling like I almost don't understand why this means so much to me. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was like this, like my first connection with music in a way that went like, oh, this is, this is deep. And I don't, I can't even put words around it, but I've got yeah. to have my parents hear this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's so cool. I know. Um, so cool. Okay. So let's talk about what made you decide to finally write a book? Because I can imagine, <laughs> I know publishers well enough yes. that you've gotten calls for 31 yeah. years to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So why finally? It's called Between Heaven and the Real World, yes. which works great for me as yes. that is my favorite album. Right. But what, what made this the right time? Well, you're right. Publishers uh, through the years have approached oh, I me. Can imagine. Um, you know, as soon as you know a few, you know, songs were doing well and and there was some success, there's like, hey, you should tell your story. You should write your story. And obviously, I'm a man. Uh, as you're discovering now, once again, uh, never short on words. Lots more to say than probably even uh, I should sometimes. But but I always my response, and I even try at a time or two. Incidentally. Many years ago, I sat down with Ken Abraham, who ended up helping me with Between yeah. Heaven and the Real yeah, World. Yeah. And we sat down, and I kind of processed out loud for a while around some of the songs and some of my early career. I mean, this literally is probably five years into my career or something. And um, and we he brought back some things, and I looked at it, and I just thought, you know what? This doesn't feel like the right time yet. You mm-hmm. know, it was kind of an experiment to see, is this going to feel enough you know, like me, do I have the time sure. right now to really make this feel like my own? Because I knew I was going to need a, somebody to help me in the process. Right. Because I'll spend, you know, months on a song. That's, you know, <laughs> 75 words. What am I going to do trying to write 75,000 yeah, words? Yeah, right. You know, that's going to be, you know, 15, I have the 20 opposite years. problem. I can say so much, and I could never do 75 words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Well, so... Every time I was asked by a publisher, I would always say, someday I am definitely going to do that. It's, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to tell all the stories, all the mountain stories. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. all those songs uh, have 
so much significance in my own life, in my own journey, in my own story. You know, and I'm I've spent my life frustrated with you know a, a three minute song setup that I have in in concert, which I usually turn into a. 10-minute song set up, much to the frustration of managers and, and uh, record label people. Just sing the songs and quit talking. But, you know, and interviews, you know, even even when we have, you know, good chunks of time like this, it's still, you know, there's the quick version of the story, sure. but there's so much more. And so I always knew someday I would want to do that. Um, and then as life went on, and, and then it was like, well, okay, there's, there's about 20 lifetimes in one life, I feel like I've lived. How in the world now am I ever going to have the time, take the time to really honor all that, the mountains and the valleys and all the stuff in between? And uh, so I think then it became almost like the daunting task that someday I'm going to do that, but I don't know when that's going to happen. And it was about three years ago now that I was approached by the publisher. And I think, you know, I knew I was coming up on kind of the 30-year mark from the release yeah. of my first album. Um, honestly, I had really, and, and I actually had to, I kind of realized this sort of after the fact as I've been answering this question, why now? Because I kind of went, yeah, why now? Mm-hmm. Why did I decide now? Mm-hmm. You know, why did I find myself going, hey, okay, I'm not going to say someday. I'm going to say this is, yeah, let's start it now. And I think a lot of it had to do with 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 watching and hearing the impact that Mary Beth, my, my bride of 32 years, uh, wrote a book called Choosing to See. Uh, about five or six years ago, and her honesty in that, and and taking people on the journey, I knew it was going to be impactful, and it was it's a an amazing book and and a such an honest book, but night after night after night, I hear people come up that will say things like, you know what, more than any book I've ever read, and it was because of your wife's honesty, because I never would have imagined somebody with the life that I would perceive, you know, perceive her to have from a distance than to get to hear her story and to really peel back that, you know, pull the curtain back and go, here's really what was going on in my heart. And then obviously, you know, all through through the journey of losing our daughter, Maria, and, and just being that honest, I think there was just this sense of, man, as much as I know God's allowed my music to be an impact in people's lives, yeah. maybe I, if I share my story really honestly, that would even, you know, help encourage people even that much more to go, you mean that guy? You mm-hmm. know, because I think we all want to perceive the person on stage, the, you know, oh, the, right. the preacher up there on Sunday morning, the person behind the mic, you know, yep. uh, has it so much more figured out than I do or just has it so much more together or has it so much better or mm-hmm. easier or whatever. And I think for me, um, the most encouraging places in Scripture, uh, the most encouraging books I've ever read, the books that have marked my life the most, mm-hmm. are when people are just honest about the struggle and honest about the reality of of their own lives. You know, if 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 scripture had left out and and I fear that a lot of in our day and time, a lot of publishers would have probably edited out some stuff in scripture <laughs> right. that God didn't yeah. edit out. David's story um, would have been a little different. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, it would have been radically different. And yet to me, the most encouraging parts of scripture of the life of David, I love that he killed Goliath. That's awesome. You know, th- you know, pump your fist in the air. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but what's way more encouraging to me is, you know, hearing the how long, oh Lord, and then, right. and then just the, royal 
literally screw ups that, you know, he had that God did not edit out to say, hey, wow, he's the man after God's own heart. After Mm -hmm. all that, Mm -hmm. there's hope for me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's those are the things that have been so encouraging. So I think all of that went into me finally going, you know what, it's time for me to do this and share my story as honestly as I can. It doesn't feel like, like I said earlier, a, a you know, a, a finale or a, a finish line, like, you know, and that was scary to me, you know, all those voices in my head, like, are people going to think this means you're done? Does this mean, yeah. you're, you know, you write your right. memoirs when you're done, finale, yeah. you know, is this it? It's like, no, I, I feel like there's still, you know, more to come and, and, uh, and all that. But I feel like if I wait any longer, it's going to be like Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> you know, it's like you're going to have here's part one. Right, you know, at 700 like, yeah. pages. Yes, yeah. so I better get I better get cracking now, and that's maybe right. there'll be vo- a volume two. Who knows? That's right. That's right. I actually just had a friend message me when I put on Instagram that we were here, and he said I finished his book yesterday, and it changed my life. That's really? what he just said on Instagram wow. story. Yeah. Oh, man. So it's just amazing to think how quick, because the book released just, you know, six weeks ago or something, mm-hmm. a couple of months yeah. ago. Yeah. And so it's just amazing how quick something like that can change someone's path. Mm. You know, yeah. isn't that incredible? Yeah. It it's really just is. amazing. And yeah. honesty changes everything. <laughs> I think you get a choice when you tell your story. How did you decide what was too personal and what wasn't? Well, that was a. Uh... I think I started with just this commitment to be as transparent as I possibly could mm. and start there with, you know, working with Ken, uh, writing out the story, giving myself permission to overshare uh, even and then say, hey, we can always edit always this back, take it out. That's you know, exactly right. but but I don't I don't want to if I start going, nah, maybe that's is that going to you know be too much? Is that going to feel, you know, and, and sometimes it was even just because. Uh, you know, I've found myself a lot of times going, D- I mean, uh, are people even going to care about, you know, the insecurities that I felt, you know, as a singer, because my dad was the singer and my brother was the singer and I really wasn't a singer. And, mm. and, you know, I felt insecure every time I won, you know, Dove Awards, I'd be like hardest to the ear. And my little voice in my head was going, man, don't, you know, don't get too comfortable with this because they're probably going to, when you perform live and they really hear you and it's not on record, they're going to go, wait a minute, this guy's, he, he's not a good wow. singer. He can't, we, 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 I demand a recount, you know, <laughs> this is, let's, let's go back to that. I mean, those voices, you, you know, in my head. head. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, but then I would go, ah, is that just me being a whiner? I mean, does anybody mm-hmm. really, you know, is that going to encourage anybody or is this just me, you know, just kind of, you know, spilling, you know, all this stuff out. But, is it really going to help somebody? You know, it's all those kind of things, mm-hmm. you know, that, that were going on, uh, I think, you know, in, in the process of, you know, of, of telling my story. And um, but I think, you know, in, in that I thought, no, let's just I'm going to go for it and just just kind of be as honest as I feel like I can with the mm-hmm. things that come to mind and just kind of have to trust God at some point that he's leading in this because there's mm-hmm. so many, like I said, so many stories that this could have been a. 2000 page book easily, you know, and, uh, and I think it was really, really important though, cause I wanted to share, you know, about growing up and cause all that stuff, you know, is all part of the story of who I am finding out that coming to realize, you know, that I was born to be a fixer, born to fix my, my parents' marriage that was struggling. And that's mm-hmm. why I was even brought into the world was kind of be the, you know, ride in on the white horse and save the day for them and figure that out early. Like, man, don't screw up. Don't, you know, do the right things. Eat your veggies. Say yes, sir. And no, no, sir. And, you know, all those things. And, 
you know, the, the real challenge began to be, how do I do this? And it was the other H word that was, that became very important. I gotta, I gotta be honest, but I've got to honor mm. people. And it's like, it. if I, if I'm honest to the point that I'm dishonoring anybody God's put in my life, then that's, that, that's not the right thing either. Yep. So how am I going to walk that line? How am I going to honor my, you know, my, my wife and our journey and, and honor the pain and honor the struggle, mm-hmm. but also, you know, honor her and honor my kids and leave something that they, my great, great grandchildren maybe even read someday right, and right. be able to go, man, there was some real pain there, mm-hmm. but there was, there was, there was real honor there as well mm-hmm. for you know, for his family, because we're all broken and we're all working through that stuff. And maybe by telling some of that, as hard as it might be, mm-hmm. is going to is going to bring honor to it. You know, even that with the story of Maria and and our journey with you know losing her, it was like important that I would honor, you know, how deep that valley was mm-hmm. one time committed to paper and say, I feel like there's something important about honoring that. Yeah. Um, in the right way, in the right context, mm-hmm. so that others can really find hope and encouragement in it. Mm-hmm. And, but then be able to, as I did with my family, as we sat and read through some of the hardest chapters right before I sent it all off to the publisher. Yeah. And I said, guys, are you okay with this? If there's anything in here that's not, uh, I'll take it out. Yep. You know, if this is, feels like it's too much. And, you know, we sat, we wept together. Everybody went mm-hmm. to different places to have their own kind of experience with it and came back and said, no, Dad, we, we feel like this is honoring. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Right. But there was also a sense of can we can we kind of close the book now mm-hmm. <laughs> publicly and kind of say we've honored that, but... You know, it's can 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 that be? It's it's sort of like we've been the, you know, in a way the kind of grieving family for you know a long period of time, yeah. and and, it's, and now we'll carry that obviously with us. That'll be part of our story, and you know, every time I sing Cinderella, it's going to be in the back of people's mind whether right. I say it or not. Right. Um. It's always going to be in, in my mind, but I think just the opportunity to kind of say, man, I committed that to 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 paper. I've shared that story, but now I don't have to continue to go, okay, yeah, I'm going to go back Mm -hmm. through those details and through Mm -hmm. that, you know, hard, hard chapter of our life. But if you really, you know, it's there now, it's been committed. I think Mary Beth felt that way about her book as well, Mm -hmm. you know, so Mm -hmm. anyway. Honoring, hard, honest. Those are three Mm. really good words for writers Mm. when they are deciding what to put down. It's going to be hard. I said to my counselor last week, I was like, well, either path of this is hard. So I'm not asking God to give me the not hard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just want the hard yeah. that he has right. yeah. versus the hard I picked yeah. for myself. Right. The right. good hard. Yeah, not <laughs> right. the bad. Right. Yeah. So honoring, honest, and hard. That mm. is um, that is good advice. I will take that as well. In my last book, Looking for Lovely, I did a whole chapter on the Ryman. And mm. I know you have a real special spot in your heart for the Ryman Auditorium yes. as well. Yeah. Um, will you kind of talk about Sam's Place for a minute? Because I think it's something fun that people can come to Nashville for. It's a destination reason to come. Yeah. Your heart's behind it. Yeah. Clearly. And then the Ryman is just, just a, people do not know, Stephen. People don't know what an unbelievably beautiful story that place has. Mm. 
Yeah, it is pretty incredible. It's unbelievable. It's, it's um, we're gonna see it again. Really That's what I'm believing. Know. We're gonna see see it again. Yeah, the yeah. Lord's gonna do it again. Yeah, I didn't really, you know, I mean, I knew the Ryman when I worked at Opryland mm-hmm. because they would talk about, you know, it was in one of our speeches in our country music show <laughs> right. where, you know, then in a stroke of genius, the the, <laughs> you know, at the Ryman Auditorium, the the. Was it, I, if I thought long enough, I could remember the guy's name who was the the announcer a- announced one night at the Ryman Auditorium. You're listening to the Grand Old Opry because um, it was the you know, it had a different name before that, um, but from the Ryman Auditorium. So I always knew it was sort of the the history of the Grand Old Opry there, but it wasn't until I came to Nashville and started to understand more about the real history of that. Mm-hmm. And then in more recent years, when I began to kind of hear the whole story of how the Ryman was built uh, by uh, Tom Ryman, who was a very successful Nashville businessman. Riverboat had the shipping And this is the 18, what? Late 1800s. Yeah. yeah. After the Civil War? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And he was, um, you know, had a shipping business and, you know, and also casinos and kind of going up and down the river and, uh, you know, the the sort of saloon, like floating saloons kind of uh, along the river coming and going from Nashville, and there was a, a tent preacher, uh, a guy named Samuel Jones, and uh, he himself, and I learned more about his life, had been a pretty hard-living, hard-drinking yeah. uh, guy running from God. He was a third or fourth generation uh, preacher's kid and had just said, the last thing I'm going to be is a, a preacher, mm-hmm. and was running from God, and God caught him, and uh, he changed his life and became a preacher and and began to travel uh you know kind of the all all around the country and was actually very well known as you know in his day as one of the you know one of those uh, tent preachers but would gather thousands of people i mean you're not talking like a little tent right. you know it was a it was like they'd have thousands of people come out from from these towns, and he came to Nashville and did one of his big How did they hear him? How, I mean, because there's not microphones back then, right? Did they just yell? You know, that's that's a great question. I don't know if they, they had some kind of people? megaphones. I don't know. Yeah. Someone yeah. repeating halfway yeah. back? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, but there, there would be literally four or 5,000 people gathered that's in insane. these under these tents, and he would, uh, you know, preach, and Tom Ryman came to one of his uh, – you know, one of his meetings, and there are several different mad, stories right? on that. Well, there's different stories on yeah. that. That's kind of the urban legend. Uh-huh. But if you really dig in deeper, you know, the 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 myth or the the legend is that he came along with some of his cronies to basically heckle Sam Jones uh-huh. and give him a hard time because Sam Jones, you know, probably in that day, about half of the the pre the preaching was, you know, for. You know, and about half was against. You know, <laughs> right. here's That's you know, right. let's talk about Jesus now. Let's yeah. talk about let's the talk evils of you know the evils of <laughs> you know gambling and and drinking right. and and you know for Sam Jones it was very real because it had just about destroyed his life. Sure. So he was you know doing that was a big part of his his preaching was that mm-hmm. and um, but I think actually the the story uh, as as I've come to understand it actually Tom Ryman came with his family and mm. came with interest to kind of go, yeah. what's this about? And God was working in, in this guy's heart. And um, it was a radical conversion for for Sam for Tom Ryman. He began actually to turn some of his riverboats into floating uh, missions. And instead of, you know, now the, you know, the, the gambling and, and all of that, he began to transport goods up to upriver where there was, you know, 
where poor folks were needing help. Yeah, and yeah. really, it just changed his heart and changed his, his business and his work. And he really committed to building a building that Sam Jones could preach in so he didn't have to set up a tent and do his, his tent preaching. Yeah. And that was the beginning of the Ryman Auditorium, originally called the Gospel Union Gospel Tabernacle. Mm-hmm. All are welcome was the kind of the the motto of yeah. that place. All faiths and you know all the denominations. Let's come together. Here's a place you know that that we can all come together to worship. So years later, fast forward you know many many years. And the other cool thing, side note, that Sam Jones did yeah. when he wasn't preaching is he was collecting and raising money for orphanages. At that time, was he? Yeah, at that time, orphanages in the in the South where. Orphans left from Civil War, from the from the wars, wow. and and he had a, a, a children's home that he raised a lot of money for. Yeah, which I didn't know any of that part of the That's story amazing. until yeah. fast forward. We decide to to bring Sam's place back to life. Sam's yeah. place existed several years ago uh, and was what ran for about seven years. Oh, and okay. um, yeah, you, do you with run Gary, it? Was it you? With Gary Chapman. Oh, sure. Hosting it. Come on, Gary Chapman. Way back when Gary well, was doing the, the 90s. Nashville, the, the Nashville Now show yeah, and yeah, Gary yeah. was doing that and hosting the Dove Awards and totally. you know, all that. he hosted the original Sam's place. Oh, cool. And I performed I was on Sam's place. Um, you know, I, I remember. I mean, Faith Hill when she was just coming on the yeah. scene performed on Sam's place. So it was the same idea. It was let's bring artists from a lot of different genres, and let's turn the Ryman back into its original purpose. Make it church. Let's mm-hmm. just have church on mm-hmm. Sunday night. But around music and around, let's bring artists. All are welcome. Let's bring artists from all genres of music, yep. not just Christian artists yep. or artists that sing Christian music, but let's give these artists that have faith come a place to come and share about that, talk about it, sing yeah. a hymn, yeah. sing, you know, sing their hit song, but, but sing a few hymns. So um, it ran for a while and then just it stopped, you know, for, for, for quite a few years and maybe thought maybe it was done. And about three years ago, uh, my dear friend and longtime agent, booking agent, John Huey, uh, and I were talking about some different things. And he said, you know, there's been some talk with my friends over at, uh, at Gaylord and at the Ryman about bringing Sam's place back. What do you think? And I said, man, can I please host it? Yeah. I would love Nothing more than to be the host, to be the guy to bring artists. Because over the years, God's given me these amazing relationships with, you know, artists in the country music world. And, you know, I'm still just so surprised I'll, you know, be on a flight and, you know, the guys from, you know, Rascal Flats will, will, you know, I'll walk past them and they'll look up and go, man, we love your music. We grew up Mm -hmm. listening to you know, Or, you know, the guys from, you know, I've had guys on there recently, uh, Love and Theft. I was there that night. Were you there? Yeah. Yeah. Because our mutual friend Hillary, that's the night she sang too. Yes, yes. She sang Thy Will for the first time. Exactly. Oh, was that not unbelievable? What a holy moment, right? That was incredible. Mm. And, but yeah, I mean, here are the Love and Theft guys, you know, they're backstage and their dad comes in for, for Sam's place. Yeah. Because he is such a huge fan and they're just sitting there going, we can't believe we're getting to introduce our dad. We grew up on your <laughs> yeah. music. I mean, your, your albums were some of the first records we ever heard, yeah. you know? And, and then Hillary, you mentioned yeah. amazing, sweet Hillary Scott, who we, I guess, first met yeah. uh, at, her at her wedding. wedding. Yeah, when I was exactly asked right. to sing, which blew my mind. Who knew Hillary Scott even knew who Stephen Curtis Chapman was? Yeah. And I get this call going, Hey, will you come sing? Hillary Scott would like you to come sing at her and Chris's wedding. Yep. And, um, 
and and pick songs that were like deep album cuts for yeah. me to sing. So I'm going, she actually knows my records. <laughs> right. That's crazy. Right. So, you know, Hillary came to our very first Sam's Place, mm-hmm. and then she was with me at the last one we did last season. Yeah. Um, and so that's the idea is that artists, you know, from all different genres. I mean, Matthew West, my buddy for many years, yeah. is coming to be with us at this uh, at this next one, you know, along with build, Building 429, but also um, – uh, Holly Williams is going to be with oh, us. I love Holly. Yes, so and good. Uh, and um, I'm trying to think now. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Um, uh, songwriter. Uh, okay, tell me. Help me. Help me. Natalie. Natalie Hemby. Hemby. Yes. Oh, she's Natalie's so going to be going to be with us. And Craig, <laughs> Craig Morgan, Morgan, who Craig was with me last two seasons ago. Yeah. When I first this first time I met Craig. Yeah. And again, a dear dear brother and just you know it's so it's been such a cool thing because when else would i ever get to you know do a concert or be on stage with craig morgan and with holly williams with ray stevens was with me ronnie Millsap came in i mean i was like are you kidding me i'm singing what a difference you made in my life with ronnie Millsap on the stage at the ryman auditorium right now right and you know, my dad and my brother, if you were there, that you know, night. with Do you know what, when you were talking about them being singers, I was like, I feel like I saw them yes. singing at the yeah. Ryman. Yeah. 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 And that, you know, so, so there's so many things special about that. And uh, every act that, that comes place. out, they do one of their songs and then they get to pick one of your songs to do with you, yeah. Yeah. which is like so cool. Cause you never know what, it's not like there's a set list that as a listener, as an audience member, you're going to yeah. expect. You're right. like, yeah. what deep pull are they yeah. going to have, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it. we had we we had uh, Need to Breathe guys, you know, and, and I never, it's not like a prerequisite because some artists come and they're not necessarily, you know, that's like, I know your music. I know, certainly know, you know, who you are, but I yeah. don't, not, you know, not have a deep connection with your songs. Right. And that's totally fine and perfect. But, you know, I always just say, if there's a connection, Rather than me just stand up, because I'll always do two or three songs in the night. Yeah. Rather than me just play whatever songs, I'd love it to be something that's special for mm-hmm. that artist. And mm-hmm. why don't you come sing a verse with me? Mm-hmm. So I threw that out to uh, Need to Breathe guys. And Bear says, um, well, you know, when we were in junior high school, we did our first talent show together, me and, and Bo. And we sing When You Are a Soldier. Oh You're from, from like way, way back. Yeah. you know. And they said... Could we do that one? We 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 won our first talent show singing "When When You Are a Soldier," which is a song oh I wrote gosh. for my dad many years ago when he was going through a very hard time. So I, you know, that's like when would that moment ever happen? Yeah. Me on stage on the rhyme singing with you know "Need to Breathe," right. "When You Are a Soldier," crazy. Do you have to go so, back and relearn all those? I would imagine I do. people yeah. pull I kinda up have to go, songs and you go, "Yeah, I've not played yeah. that in yeah. decades." Yeah, I do. I kind of have to go like back in my mind, and then yeah. I usually end up writing a, a new. A song or two for just that show, which yeah. is which is goofy little ukulele songs yeah, yeah, for yeah. fun. It's great. So, yeah, hearing Hillary do "Thy Will" that night, you know, I got to hear her on Good Friday do it at Bridgestone, fifteen thousand people, and when we were at Ooh. the Ryman, no one knew it yet except yeah. a handful of us right. that it right. hurt right. Yeah. And yeah. so Hillary just sang it, and, and the yeah. crowd cried. Everybody yeah. was just so moved. Just and then at Bridgestone. Everyone sang along. Oh, and it was wow. the first time Hillary had ever heard that. And I'm yeah. standing with Linda, her mom. Yeah. And we're both crying because 15,000 yeah. people, it was two really different, really holy experiences. Yeah. You know, to see like, oh, now all these people agree and know yeah. what Hillary's saying. And these people are just yeah. moved. You yeah. know, the Ryman was just this moment of 
release almost. Yeah. And it was like Bridgestone was everyone giving it back to Hill. Yeah. It was so beautiful. That's so cool. So, okay, I love Sam's Place. And our buddy Scott Sauls, who we did an episode with a couple of months ago. Oh, did you? Chaplain, yeah. right? Your, your local yes, pastor. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I love that guy. Um, okay, thank you for being on the podcast, Stephen. It is yeah. meant the world. We have one final question yes, ma'am. that everyone loves to know the answer to, yes, particularly yes. me. Yes. This is called yeah. That Sounds Fun. So, yeah. to you, what sounds fun? What's fun for Stephen Curtis Chapman? Well, before I answer that question, I'm going to say I, I hope this has been fun because I know I got pretty heavy. So um, oh. that, it's, it's interesting. No, <laughs> That's how I'm that. going. Oh, did I did I do this? Did I do this wrong? No, no, should no. I have you did fun? exactly right. What <laughs> so. you did is you were you and you were a real friend to our listeners. Good. And that is Good. what we want. Yeah. We want people who will come and be friends to us. And you Thanks. have you your honesty was friendship to us. So thank you. That was exactly you did exactly right. Awesome. Awesome. Well. Uh, what sounds fun right now is going to see the Predators yes. carry on to victory. Um, Lord Are you willing. going to the game? And I am. I'm going <gasps> with my sons yeah. and my son-in-law actually oh, tonight to the game. So yes. that will be very fun. I'm not, you know, I'm 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 going to go ahead and confess. I'm I'm a fair weather. Uh, Hockey fan, oh, probably. Oh, I am the truest you know, fair weather I'm not, I can't, fan. I can't misrepresent myself to be like, yes, I've been in every <laughs> right, game. Right. I'm like a, I'm a playoff guy. It's Me like when too. it comes time, like, man, yeah, go Preds, you know. I mean, I'm going to Target to buy a shirt today. Yeah, there you go. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, so that, but hey, it's it. That's okay. That's yeah, all right. That's you know, right. we got, we got to have all of us, but to working together. But uh, so that that sounds like a lot of fun. I think as much as the game, just being with my. My boys getting to yeah. do stuff because they've been traveling so much. They're getting ready right. actually to leave with Need to Breathe on in a couple of days to yeah. go back out on tour with them. So oh, just great. getting to spend the evening, you know, hanging out with my my boys yeah. and my son-in-law, Tanner, that will be epic. And uh, that, that sounds fun. Well, friends, listen. <laughs> Stephen Curtis Chapman and his manager, my dear friend, Mark Mattingly, just walked out the room. You may have heard me talk to Mark a couple of times in the podcast conversation because he was sitting in here with us. But man, that was really amazing, wasn't it? Man, we are so lucky to get to have fathers in the faith like Stephen who still are speaking into our lives and really are the people that you would hope they are when you meet them, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, where you hope that they are as kind as their music is and Stephen Curtis Chapman is, and I am really grateful. For those of us who have grown up listening to him, who have listened for 30 years, the three decades he's been making music, the book is so good for, like, learning more about the songs you love and and the stories you've already lived with that family and with Stephen. And then for those of you who are new to him, it's an incredibly cool introduction to this music that will really impact your life. And it's a great read. So no matter where you are on the Stephen Curtis Chapman train, I think you will really enjoy reading his new book. And I think you should go listen to The Mountain. It's such a good song. It's on Heaven in the Real World, that album. And so it really is really is such an important song in the history of Annie Downs. And I am really, really thankful it exists. Just a couple of quick reminders. For starters, a couple of weeks ago, we released an episode on how to write books and what it looks like to start writing books, a process that Stephen really spoke beautifully into with the Be Honest 
be honoring and it's going to be hard. Those three H's are going to stick with me. And so you can go back and listen to me and my sweet assistant, Eliza, chatting about what it's like to write a book. And then last week we had Danielle Walker, Against All Grain, my favorite cookbook writer, the only one I'm actually friends with, but I do want to be friends with Ina Garden if anybody wants to work that out. But Danielle will still remain my favorite. I love her. Oh, my mom did a cookbook. So mom, you're still my favorite. That's true. Mom, you're my favorite. And the Downs Family and Friends cookbook is still the best. But Danielle's is my favorite that doesn't have cheese and sour cream and cream of mushroom soup in its original form. But I hope you'll go back and check out some of those episodes recently. If you enjoyed this conversation with Stephen and you love talking music and faith, I think you would love the episode with Grayson Reed from January. Also, if you dig back about a year ago, we had a great episode with Matt Wirtz and a couple with Dave Barnes that are hilarious. I think you would really enjoy them. Also, as we talked about, Scott Sauls has a great episode as well as Russ Ramsey, two pastors here in Nashville that I love and respect and think you will enjoy hearing from. If this is your first time listening, we are so glad you're here and hope you will stick around. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We release on Thursdays and to hopefully add a little fun to your Thursday and your weekend. And if you get a chance to leave a review, that would be awesome. That way people who show up for the first time know that they're welcome here and we love inviting new friends around. Hey, if you need to find me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find across all parts of the internet, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, website, all of it is Annie F. Downs, F as in fancy, Annie F. Downs. Thank you guys for joining us today. What a really special, fun day. I will remember this one for a really, really long time. <laughs>